Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. How many of y'all just love doing dishes? <laughs> Because we got a whole sink full of them back there. See me after church. Just kidding. You kind of have that that habit when you get done eating and when you got crusty stuff on the plate, you throw it in the dishwater and just let it sit there. You got to scrape the junk off before you put it in the dishwasher. Because what happens if you don't scrape the junk off and you put it in the dishwasher? But it all goes down and it gets into the drain at the bottom. And if it clogs the drain up, then the whole dishwasher doesn't work right. It's not going to clean dishes the way it ought to. So you got to scrape the junk off first. Back in chapter one, let me give you a quick recap. Peter had encouraged the first, the new first century church to keep on going. Don't quit. Just keep going in their gospel work. But now he's going to teach us in chapter two, encouragement is not enough. I can encourage you all day, but you've also got to learn to scrape the junk off. He's going to give us this new teaching here in uh, chapter two by giving us behavior traits that we need to scrape off our lives or else it's going to ruin, it's going to clog up the whole church and the whole church ain't going to work. I can encourage you to go out with the gospel, hallelujah. I can encourage you that you're saved, amen. Everybody get all excited. But if you don't scrape the junk off, we're going to clog this church up and it ain't going to work. Now, 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Let's look at each thing he said here. Let's look at it deep. The first thing they had to do was rid themselves of these sinful behavior traits that cause division. If you have these things in a praise Jesus, hallelujah, amen church, it will destroy the church. I don't care how saved you may be and how excited you are about the Lord. If these things don't get scraped off, it's going to destroy a church. So first, Peter said malice. Malice is having ill will towards somebody. It's like, I just cannot wait to see that guy fall. You know, that guy just drives me nuts. I can't stand it when he comes in the room. I wish he would just get out of here. Malice is also when you try to sabotage somebody to try to make them look bad. You know those people that talk bad about other people so they can make themselves feel better? I can't stand that. I really can't. They'll talk bad about people because they think it makes them just wonderful. Those kind of people that talk bad about others, that is malice. No malice in the church. If there's somebody in here that just gets on your nerves, okay, it it happens, swallow it, move on, okay? No malice in here. (laughs) Second, Peter said all deceit. Deceit. Deceit is basically lying to somebody. Deceit is uh, lying to misrepresent the truth. You know, you know those people that will volunteer a half-truth? They'll tell half the truth and they'll keep the rest out on purpose? That it, you need all the information to know the full story, okay? 
to them, what these people, by doing a half-truth, they're doing just enough to justify themselves in their own mind that they're right. I have a saying that a lot of people disagree with, and I'll, I'll put it to you. 99% truth plus 1% lie equals 100% lie. Don't mix it. Don't hold some back. 99% truth and 1% lie is 100% lie. Be truthful all the way or, or don't say anything. And these people, they will manipulate stories and they'll throw just enough truth in there to make it look right, but then they have a whole new spin. That's where your false religions come from because they got just enough truth to appear right, but they'll twist it all up. Peter said, get rid of most malice, didn't he? Did he say that? What, what did he say? Did he say try, try to work on it? He didn't say try to cut back and, and, and we'll see how you do in a month. He said, get rid of it. Get rid of it all. A lot of people look at these things and they go, well, you know, I can't do all of it. And they go right back into their half truth. And again, he says, get rid of all of it. Get rid of all, not just part. Don't dress up a story with just enough truth and hold back information to slant it the way you want it. Be honest all the way. Don't do a half job of it. Third thing he said was hypocrisy. Oh, that's a big one. Hypocrisy is when you claim to have high moral standards, but your behavior doesn't match what you claim. You're saying you're this Christian, yet you go off acting like a knucklehead, and everybody can see it. You post it all over social media. You know, some people will come in here, and they'll righteous up on me, and they'll try to look all spiritual, and I see what they're doing on Facebook. It's like, I know what you're doing. It's hypocrisy. Your behavior doesn't match what you claim. You know, you always hear people say, well, I don't go to church because it's all full of hypocrites. Well, Walmart is full of hypocrites and you still go to Walmart, don't you? Come on. There are sinners in church. You're right. But whenever a believer sins, it grieves them so deeply because they have the indwelling Holy Spirit who refuses them to, to let them get away with it. You know, I've heard it said, when you get saved, you've enjoyed your last sin. It's over. You're not enjoying sin anymore. Can a church goer sin? Can a believer sin? Yes, they can. But does that make them a hypocrite? No, it does not. Because real believers will repent of that sin, and they will ask forgiveness for it, and they won't walk right again until they know they're forgiven and clear. As a believer, I cannot do the sins that I used to do in my old life and walk along like everything's okay. I cannot do it. It would grieve me so bad. It'd mess me up. Guys, that's not a hypocrite. That is a forgiven sinner trying to do the best he can, but that does not make you a hypocrite. If the members of a church are not actually living in the way that God's word says, okay, they're hypocrites. Leave that church and go find another one. If a church tells you to live in a way that they're not doing, then okay, call them hypocrites in that church, but go find another church where they are obeying. Stop using that one church as your forever excuse to disobey God. (laughs) You know, people do that. Well, I was in a church one time in 1984 in Missouri that The pastor did something wrong, so I don't go to churches anymore because they're all full of hypocrites. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I remember one time we lost a football game, so I quit, and I never played again. Come on, don't do that. Get in the game and stay in it, right? (laughs) Peter said, get rid of the hypocrisy. 
Otherwise, unbelievers won't see us as authentic. They're, you know, the unbelievers are looking for something real. They think they have it in their drugs or their alcohol or in their money or in government. They, they think they got it. And then they, once they get a hold of it, they find out they really don't have it. Eventually, they're going to come looking at us and they're going to see Christian believers living real. And they're going to say, hey, that's a real deal. So we need to be authentic without hypocrisy. Fourth, Peter said, get rid of envy. Envy is when you feel unhappy or you get resentful when somebody seems to have everything and it makes you want to have what they've got. You want what they have. Oh, I wish I had a house like Chris does. Oh, I wish I had a car like Mike. You know, now you're envious of them. Envy is wishing that you had or that you could do what somebody else has. Remember that car commercial where this guy's washing his car in the, in the driveway and he's all happy, oh, this is my car, but then the new models of the same car come down the street and all of a sudden his jaw just dropped and he just stopped, he's just spraying the hose watching it go by and he's not happy all of a sudden because that new car went by. Envy, I got to have that other car. Do you realize you are being marketed products based on sinful traits that God says don't have? You know, some of us in here in the church, we have bigger houses than other people. Some of us have newer cars. Oh, I wish I could sing like Byron does. Oh, I wish I could play piano like Alex does or something like that. And you start to envy these people. I've had people get envious of me over the ministry work I get to do. I went to Bible college with guys that said, I want to go into ministry, and it never worked out for them. And they see me here doing this. Oh, Ray, I wish I could have. You do what God gave you, man. You do what God's doing with you. Don't be envious of me. That's not right. They wish they could be in my shoes because they hate their job. They wish they could do what I'm doing. When you allow envy in your life, it causes you to hate people. It causes you to have resentment. It'll make you feel like you're less than what you really are. You know, you have a lot of great worth in Messiah Jesus. You are not worthless. You're priceless. And envy will make you feel like you're this big when you're not. Because somebody else has something I wish I had. No envy in the church, guys. It doesn't work. Not everybody is in the same place as the next guy. You're not in the same place in life. Some people are taller. Some people are shorter, have more money. They have less money. They have certain skills, but not every skill. You know, you need to be you. You need to be you where God has placed you and what God has given you. Utilize that in your special way where you are. And don't be envious of what somebody else is. God handed them a different assignment. You do theirs. You do yours. Let them do theirs. You be used, you, and utilize what God has given you to invest in the kingdom while the next guy uses what he has to invest in the kingdom with you. We're investing together in different ways. Now, we work together in the body of Christ, not against each other. Don't work against each other. Envy will cause people in the body of Christ to start working against each other, against the vision, against the mission of the church. And there you start clogging the drain. And, before, and, and you know what? I'll tell you one thing. When you work against people in the church, everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. No matter how secret you try to keep it, we sense it and we, we know it. It happens. So don't be envious of anybody. Here's a good way to eliminate envy. Be happy for what God is doing in their life. You got a new car. Good for you. You got a promotion. Good for you. You finally got that house you've been looking for. Good for you. Celebrate with them. Be happy with them. Be happy for what God has given them. Share in their joy with your own joy. 
So friends, we got to learn to live life with each other. That's one thing about church. We have to learn to live with each other and do life together. If you get lifted up in some kind of way, I'll be glad with you rather than resent you that I didn't get a promotion too. Where's my promotion? (laughs) I'm glad you got one. Have fun with it. Use it for the Lord. We don't need envy here. Envy destroys the unity. And envy kills the joy that should be had by believers. You know, we're supposed to be happy when we come to church. Well, I'm here at church. Sit down in the chair. All right. I hope this doesn't take long. I see, I've seen people do that. But we don't need hypocrites in here. No hypocrites. We don't need envy in here. Envy destroys unity. Envy kills the joy. No hypocrites in the church. No hippos. No hungry hippos. Get out. No envy. <laughs> And fifth, Peter said, no evil speaking, or some Bible translations may call it slander. Slander is making a false statement in order to damage somebody's reputation. Talking bad about somebody to make them seem like they're less than they are. Don't talk bad about people to try to make them look bad so that you can look better. You could say that slander is driven by malice. Slander is driven by envy. And also, it's uh, slanders driven by hypocrisy. You're not really being the Christian you claim to be when you talk bad about people. I've actually seen people in church, in the past, in this church, people would come in, and there were certain groups that would stand together and talk in a way that you could just tell by looking at their face they were mad about something. So you had this group of men over here, you had a group of women on that way, and you could just see they were angry about something, and they were all going round and round with each other about it. So I'd walk up to see what was going on, and when I walked up, they'd just lighten up and go, hi, Pastor, how you doing? And it just, I figured I'm never going to find out what these people are talking about. (laughs) They'd hush up, and they'd brighten their face. It was an instant cover-up, but it was very obvious. Eventually, I caught on that all the people in these groups were having marriage trouble. They were all having marital problems. So they would group up together to talk bad about their spouses to each other. And you could just see the anger on their face when they came in. And typically, these couples wouldn't even walk in the church together. They were so mad at each other. I'm saying, guys, you can see it. You can't cover this stuff up. It is visible as anything. I may not know what you're talking about. Some people may not know what's being discussed, but we can see the problem. While this was happening, this was when the church was neck deep in division. This church was going through the most miserable time I have ever had to go through with this church because all of these factors that we were just talking about were in this church and people wouldn't scrape the junk off and it clogged this church up. I wanted to quit. I don't know how many times I wanted to say, forget it. I can't do this ministry stuff. I'm gone. God says, no, you're going to stay put right where you're at. I thought, ah, shoot. Well, then help me out. I wish I'd have gone to 1 Peter 2 before during that time. But they were clogging it up. It was division. And this kind of baloney was going on back in Peter's day also. It was nothing new. It goes on back then as much as it did today. So these are five things that the church has to downright eliminate. This isn't a work on it thing. This is recognize if it's in your life and cut it out. Guys, I'm just trying to emphasize we need to stop this stuff. It can't, I'm not saying it's happening here. I'm not noticing it here today. Thank God. We have a great church going on. Praise God for this. But in your life also, if you're going to represent Jesus, don't do these things. Just stop. 
So these are five things that the church has to eliminate. We've got to get rid of malice, having ill will towards others, deceit of misrepresenting the truth. Let's remove our hypocrisy so that our behavior aligns with God's word that we claim to believe. Let's get, a, get rid of envy and not resent other people for what they have. And let's cut out the slander, the backbiting, the, the talking bad about people. The church has no room for this kind of junk. It all needs to be gone. It all needs to be scraped off before it clogs up the whole system. Because if you clog up the church, it can't do its job. And next thing you know, the people who are being legitimate, peaceful believers that really need a place, they're going to say, I cannot exist in this church. And they're going to leave. They will quit. And then all you got left are the cloggers. Let's make sure that when skeptics come into this church, well, I'm looking for a hypocrite today. I'm looking for, you know, they finally, after who knows many years, they finally go to one church and they pick this one. Let's make sure that when they come into this church, that they find the authenticity that they're really looking for, that we demonstrate that to them for real. I am thankful to the Lord God for this clear-cut outlining about these church killer behavior traits for us so that we can get them out of our lives and be successful together. I told you I was going to dissect that sentence down. First Peter 2 and 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Friends, we should be eager for the nourishment of God's word. I'm led to believe by Peter's writing here that when people are caught up in sinful things like what he described here, they're not really eager to pursue the Word of God. They don't want it. I have people argue with me, oh, I, I think I got the worst lashing I've ever gotten over social media about a statement I made that if you don't care to read God's Word, you don't really love God. And boy, did people come unglued on me for that. You don't have to read God's Word. Just because I don't read God's Word, blah, blah, blah. They're going on and on and on. I was really quite shocked. He's saying if you're caught up in sinful things, then it's going to make you not eager to pursue the word of God. Peter said, get rid of these five terrible things first, and then when you get rid of those five terrible things, then you will desire God's word. Uh-oh. That makes me think, if somebody's hearing me, they don't really desire God's word, you got to figure which of these things are in your way. Makes sense, because Peter cut straight into it. He says, get rid of this stuff. Now you should be eager. I'm getting an equation in my mind here that says these bad things will make you where you don't really care. I don't care to go to church. I don't care to read God's word. I don't care to pray. It's, I'm a Christian, so what? No big deal. Something's clogging your drain. Do you desire God's word? Let me, let me put that in a context. Do you read God's word when you're at home? Do you ever find yourself saying, gosh, there's nothing on TV. I'm turning this thing off. I'm going to pick up my Bible. You ever do that? That's somebody that desires God's word. I remember when I was first going through the Bible for the first time. The first time I ever went through it, it was so crazy exciting to me. I, I couldn't believe I've been missing all this. Why didn't the pastors give me all this when I went to church back in the day? It's just exciting. <laughs> and I just, I couldn't wait. I was eager to open up the Bible and see what's next. And, you know, it's like a cliffhanger. It's like, tune in next time. You know, Batman's tied up and this thing's blades are coming at him. And they don't let you see what's happening. You got to wait till the next episode. Gosh, I want to know what's happening. I was like that with the Bible. I have to find out what's next. So let me ask you, are you eager for the word of God like that? We should be. You know, if you plan to go to eternal life and this is going to be all you're doing in heaven with Father God and you don't like it now, 
If you don't like it now, you won't like it then. I'm, guys, God's trying to get us drawn into what you're going to be spending eternity for doing. Do you not like it? Are you not eager for it? If you're not eager for it, you don't want it. Peter's trying to tell us if you don't want it, there's something blocking you from seeing how good this is. Are you anxious to come to church to see what, what's the next chapter going to bring us? Now, be honest with yourself on this one. Because if you're not eager for this, if Bible reading never fits into your time schedule, if hearing the Word of God preached is more of a Sunday morning option that you'd rather not do, then you have to be real with yourself and consider that one or all five of these things are hindering your desire of the Word of God. And when that hinders your desire, it hinders your blessing. And when it hinders your blessing, you don't receive the things. Then you start getting envious. Why does that guy have it that I don't have? Well, maybe he's in the Word of God and you're not. Maybe he's being blessed and you're not, that you could be. So we got to get rid of these five sinful things that hinder our walk. I always say, if the Bible does not excite you, you are not really reading it. If it excites you, you're reading it now. Some people read, oh, you know, Noah floated in a boat, David killed Goliath. You know, I, I know the Bible. No, you don't. Not like I do. You're not reading the same thing I am, I'll guarantee you. If you read it and if it's kind of blah to you, that's not really my thing. There's probably malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander in your life that's blocking you from having a clear view of what God's Word really is. Jesus ain't my thing. I've heard that. Say you get to heaven, hey, Jesus, I'm here. And Jesus goes, you're not my thing. You don't want to hear that. So if these things are in the way, these, don't, uh, these five little things, I call them little because we, it, Peter says get rid of it. You can get rid of it. it. It can be gone. These five little things that stand in your way of getting great things from God. You know, God has such incredible blessing ready to dump on you. If you would just accept it and understand his character and pursue him, you could be blessed like you don't even know. But these five dumb little things will block it. The reason why most people are not desiring the Word of God and not getting the blessings from it is because they won't scrape the junk off of their lives. They function in sin. They operate in sin is how they live their lives. It's the only environment that they know, and so they won't repent of it. They won't leave it. They won't turn it over to the Lord so that He can bless them immensely beyond anything they've ever been given or ever seen. Now, the unbelievers have this repentance to battle out, but for us believers who are in the church, who are believing and trying to follow the Lord God as he instructs us, this is a right now command. We don't see this as an option. God said, do it. So if you resent anybody here in this church, please get rid of it before it divides the harmony here. When we were going through that church division in the past, I noticed there were people who contributed to the trouble. They contributed to the trouble. They were resenting people. They didn't like somebody. A lot of it was me they didn't like. I mean, they had it out for me, and I could tell. I mean, I can sense that stuff, y'all. They didn't like it, but they were contributing to the trouble because they were more concerned about expressing their ill will about other people and talking bad about them with half-truths they were more hell-bent on doing that than they were concerned about the solidarity of the church. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.